What can we torture Finworth with today? I don't know where to go on Weeble and see what the ROI has been over the last six months or a year. Like, I have to, like, go into, like, the charts. Like, I just want, like, a number. Like, I just want to quickly look. Like, when I'm doing stock research and I'm grinding through 20 companies or whatever, I just want a quick, like, number. I don't have to, like, scroll and change the chart and and, and adjust everything and then look for, like, percentages or, or, God forbid, do the math myself. I just, like, type in the ticker. And I like how, like, I don't know how it is on the iPhone, but on Android... Like, I can just hit, hit the search button twice, and it'll take me right into the search bar. So I don't have to, like, press the search, then move my thumb up to the top, and then tighten, then move my thumb back to the bottom for the keyboard and type it in. I can just double-tap to the search bar. And I like that feature so much, it, like, pisses me off when other apps don't have that option. Am I alone? I Sorry, I totally spaced out. I was texting my girlfriend. Welcome to the Roots Report. My name is Patrick. And I'm Major. And I'm Tim. What are we going to talk about today, Patrick? Well, today uh, we're going to go over the Duolingo IPO, the Robinhood IPO, BTC broke above 40k, AMD hits record revenues during the chip shortage. And actually, I wanted to start off by throwing uh, this to you, Tim. Um, Duolingo IPO, they do a lot with language learning do you know of anyone like in Quebec who needs to learn French? I know you're from uh, Canada. Do you have any experience with that? Uh, so I actually used Duolingo uh, during high school. I uh, went out to a, a trip to Quebec um, quite a few times, actually. And it was kind of part of like a, I don't know, extra credit you could sort of do by um, working through the Duolingo sort of like French curriculum that they have there. And it was uh, like an extra bonus you could sort of apply to your mark at the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, pretty neat that they're going through the IPO now. And a company that I think like long term, like people are probably going to want to become multilingual uh, in the future, like especially as globalization continues. Um, like it's very likely you'll have a relationship at some point in your life, whether it be professional or personal with someone from another country. And it may be nice to be able to speak in their tongue as well as your own. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, like you said, with the globalization of the market, you know, as more people and more people connect online, right? And yeah. let's be honest, you get tired of your social circle after a while, even online. So, you know, maybe branch out. How nice would it be to receive hate tweets in a, in a, secondary, in a second language that you can actually read so you can go home and cry about later on? Oh. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Let's be real, Tim. You don't have any friends in Canada, much less abroad. <laughs> I don't have any friends, period. All my friends are on Rocket League, and apparently I suck. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that is not a good place to get friends. This is the most toxic community. I love it. Love it so much. But you know what will turn that frown upside down is the gains on Duolingo's IPO. Uh, they IPO'd at, what, 102 per share? And, you know, started trading around 140, 141. So quite a significant first day return. Yeah. Yeah. Up about 36%. Yeah. You know, who did not IPO very well and is just as popular of an app, if not more popular. And that's Robinhood. Yeah. Very true. Exactly. And actually, before we go to Robinhood, though, I had a little bit to say about Duolingo as a personal user. I've been using it since uh, 2014. Um, I really loved the service and I thought it was a really great thing. And I wanted to touch in on, uh, 
the globalization of the market, as well as uh, having personal and uh, relationships with other people. Actually, I think uh, since since the since COVID and other things with uh, supply chain issues, we're actually reaching a time where we might contract our globalization. There's been some models that I've seen that uh, show that we're actually becoming less globalized. The peak was around like I think it was 2015, 2016 of globalization, and since then we've seen increasing nationalism. That combined with uh, 3D printing, which will make uh, manufacturing more local, and the fact that also I wonder often about if we're going to have just a translator kind of sci-fi tech in the future where you put something in your ear and it just, boop, translates it for you which actually Google is already working on with, uh, you can just speak into your phone and it'll translate automatically. So I really wonder for the the long-term future, the short-term future, we're fine. But I wonder for the long-term future if it's a viable company. However, as a mm. user, interesting, I love it. You know, I learned how to speak Chinese on there. So, you know, you know, so, I mean, you know, it's pretty good. It'll teach you a lot, teach you the basics at least. You could get pretty far in it. So that's an interesting point, Patrick. That's uh, really interesting, actually, that we're becoming like less globalized. When I was using the term globalization, I was thinking more of like on a social media context, like how we're becoming more interconnected uh, since you can, you know, read tweets from around the world. And if you want to know like what that person said, you can just write copy paste um, from that tweet into Google Translate and you can see what they put. And then you can put your response and then hit the little reverse button and they'll turn you back to that language. And so... You know, theoretically, you can talk shit all over the world now, uh, thanks to Google Translate. But you bring up a really good point about communicating person to person. Now, if you're doing like a long-term perspective, uh, you'd imagine at some point on Earth, we'll pick like a universal language, right? This might be 50 years or 100 years from now. But what is that but long-term investing, right? So so there's going to be a bunch of people on the planet who have to learn another language just mathematically right if we come Mm -hmm. to that yeah for sure and financial literacy i guess you could say is its own language we're just going to talk in stocks i mean it might be i mean programming is a language too but it's not communicable by people um actually i think we might see balkanization of spoken languages yeah and i mean you know math is the universal language but yeah, I was talking about, you know, will everyone speak English? Will everyone speak Mandarin? Will everyone speak German? Will we go back to Latin? You know, will I we mean, be attacked by bugs? That's what I was... And you have to do sign language? I mean, we might actually reach a point of balkanization with that, though, because, uh, and for people who don't know, balkanization is a term that means uh, you get isolated pockets of uh, language development. So if we have, uh, if we have, pieces in our ears that translate everything person to person automatically in real time you have no need to learn any language other than the one that's spoken locally around you so if we have that then there would be no reason that people need to learn a global language which would increase Uh, balkanization because you would only learn a unspoken language like a language without a translator with the people around you Boy, how great would that be to, like, you know, every day uh, your Google Translator gets updated with the, the newest and latest slang. So when you hear, you're, you're right. a boomer and you hear something's uh, on fleek, 
it'll automatically just translate it for you and tell you like, oh, like that thing's uh, on fire, which you know it'll also mean like that thing's hot. Yeah. Or fly. Right. Extra yeah, old. Then, you have to put in your eight. It's floating. <laughs> I wonder, you know, if you've got a piece of Google like in your ear talking to you, could you just be like, hey, G word, because I don't want to activate it on my phone. Hey, G word, like. Could you just ask you to define something like you're talking to yourself and like, would this be how we make phone calls as well? Because I mean, we definitely don't use our cell phones for that. That's, I think eventually that's probably where we're going. Just having sort of like some kind of integrated device that it's like either voice activated or like something thought activated, maybe even who knows. Uh, Google. Yeah, Google I mean, it'll glasses. eventually probably just be like a contact in your eye. That you just have a heads-up display augmented yeah. reality. Google Glasses were cool, but uh, they were sort of really quickly shut down by a bunch of people. They were like, was it just they didn't really catch on? Was it because they were so lame, or it was, was it because they were so expensive? No, it was because people didn't like that they could be being filmed at any time. It was like wearing a camera on your face, and so people felt yeah. uncomfortable when anyone. Was and also, them. it was like all of a sudden you can't use them while you're driving or biking because it's considered like using a device. Yeah. I gotcha. I've seen enough black so like mirrors maps, to know where right? this goes. Like, yeah. But how nice so, would that be? Have a little yeah. your sunglasses have a little street eye view of Google Maps while you're going. Oh, I wanted to get them. Like they would have been so good for driving. Because I don't have like a nav system in my car, so like it would have been perfect. You just like throw on your driving glasses and you got like your map in the top right corner of your vision. Like cool. Isn't it funny? Yeah. And so because you don't have that, you have to like, you know, look down, you know, take your eyes off the road, look down, yeah, look exactly. at your phone, look at the Google Maps, you know, maybe the lock screen. Not that on. I do that, but not like, that you do yeah. that, but someone out there does. Right. So it's just kind of yeah, like exactly. ironic, like the uh, certain cool. safety features are actually making people be le- less safe mm-hmm. because it like, you know, if they're not going like to. That was kind of the best ideal solution. Right. Like, you know, like your eyes are still there. You have to like maybe like glance up a tiny little bit to like the mid-level of your windscreen right like but that shouldn't matter because if that was a safety issue why would we even have billboards or street signs like on, yeah, on the sides like, of the roads like billboards should be illegal yeah you know who else should right. be illegal i mean it doesn't really make sense i think people just weren't ready for it yeah i think it was yeah that's why i was i think originally i was going to lean towards like it was a product between it's like too soon oh for sure right. if they were to uh release something very similar now i think it would be received a lot better yeah yeah. Well, whereas Duolingo, <laughs> yeah. whereas Duolingo had a great IPO, Robinhood not so much. Do you want to talk about that, Major? Uh, I just want to talk about how my segue was better than your segue. That's, uh, that's what I want to talk about. Well, but I mean, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, was this the IPO that we all expected? We all expected Robinhood to go down. I did. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't keep going down though. Uh, it found solid support around was it 30, 32? It just bounced right off, I think. Uh, yeah. what do you guys think? Um, that is quite the, the prospectus they put out there. That is a, I believe the technical term is shit ton of shares outstanding with the ability to yeah. transfer, uh, what class C or class B shares into class A without any kind of like shareholder vote. They can just do it on the whim. So they don't even need to like have votes for, uh, increasing their equity through like offerings. They can just convert shares and sell them on the spot. I see. Sounds like, like Robin Hood. They're very like. Sounds like Robin willfully Hood. Willfully trying to set up like a, a a money making machine that makes money for them, pretty much. Right. right? Like they're they're real dickheads. based entirely on transactions now, so they don't care if like the, the only thing they're 
looking for now is increasing users. Right. Because with like the halting of trading GME and AMC and some other things, Dogecoin, whatever. Yeah, Doge, RIP. Um, they lost a lot of like user faith in that. And now they're basically IPOing and um, I don't know. Because they need capital. Their strategy, yeah, like their, their strategy is to try to like be able to grow and they need to borrow money from public people to do it. So I don't know. If you believe in the whole transactional based system that they have going on, and that they'll make money based on like the, I, I'm sure Major can speak to this. I have never used Robinhood, but like it's like probably a dollar or like five cents or something per transaction, right? No, they don't charge. They they quote unquote don't charge any fees. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Zero fees. Yeah. So where they make where are they making their uh, money from the the premium? No, from the PFOF. They're um, selling their information to these hedge yeah. funds. Is what they're doing. Oh, so that's a big legit. one. They it's sell like, they sell information. It's illegal. For hedge funds, like this. Isn't it supposed to be illegal? Yeah, I mean, they used to give away that data Same for paper. free on robintrack.com, but then Robinhood took all the the public stats away. Why? Because now they can sell them to, you know, BlackRock and Vanguard. Like, you know... This is what the retail right. traders are doing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you pay good money to find out what, you know, those dumbass retailers are trading on, on Robinhood, right? Like, how important yeah, is true. it to know that, you know, Tops or some other terrible shipper company, right, has seen a three hundred percent increase in in shares being purchased by Robinhood. Like that's invaluable information. You could do a lot of manipulation with that. Data is power. Uh, but right. they also, it's just a like I think their main source of revenue is the payment order flow. So they don't so much charge commissions or fees for the transaction where they make their money is uh, being the middleman for the shares. You know, they'll buy, like, I think if I understand this correctly, you know, 10000 for 99 cents and then sell it to you for a dollar and they pocket like the difference. Right. Now, that might be, that might be yeah. off by a couple of like decimal places or whatever. But that's basically from, yeah. from what I understand watching the hearings and reading through that long ass uh, prospectus of theirs. But I get a lot of Facebook vibes from it. Like you were saying, they lost right. a lot of customer faith, but they didn't lose a lot of customers. Like, yes. Some people were angry enough to transfer out of Robinhood. And Weeble was smart enough to offer a $75 credit, which is how much it costs to like, transfer the equity stocks or whatever. Something like that. Hmm. But they covered the cost That's... for you to switch, which is smart, right? Makes a lot of sense yeah. if your competitor, you know, screwed yeah. it up. But, you know, Weeble did it. Fidelity did it. I understand, like, why Robinhood did it, right? It was that or go bankrupt. So, obviously... Worst case scenario is that Robinhood just shuts down, right? So they have to yeah. do the next best thing. So the second shittiest thing, and that's what they did. Was it cool? No. Should they have checks and balances set up so that doesn't happen? A hundred thousand percent. But the fact is that they didn't. And they weren't the only broker, but they were definitely the one getting called out on the most. Yeah. As they should. It's shitty. Have checks and balances in place. Have security. So... Like, that never happens. That should never be an issue. Yeah, for sure. And, like, it, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But if we look at Facebook, Robinhood, Facebook Rob- just pretty much destroyed democracy across the world and has more users than ever now. So, despite people hating <laughs> the company or what the company does, 
the convenience of what the company provides or offers the service, the product or whatever. It's too great. So yeah. I get real Facebook advice from this. Yeah. Having a shitty IPO, being overvalued, having too many shares, and then over time turning out to be a real moneymaker. And I think Kathy Woods has seen that yeah. as well. There's nothing wrong with Robin Hood's business model. I think they're good business people. They're just really shitty people, which sometimes, you know, if you're going to do business that way, you got to be cutthroat like that. And those really are the best business people. Like, for instance, Google in its original uh, statement or uh, well, mission statement was to do no harm. That was like one of their things that they had to maintain is to do no harm. And the shareholders fucking hated that. They were like, what do you mean you can't do any harm? You know, that's like that's profit. That's how you get profits. So yeah. they had to remove it from their mission yeah. statement. Wow. And, no, and we see we see so that all over the Robin market Hood with these companies. Me, mm -hmm. Yeah, Robinhood reminds me of that age-old uh, phrase: "There's no such thing as a free lunch, and if it's free, then you are the product." You know, right? Robinhood wants you to join because you are their product. They're selling you to other people. Speaking of uh, big companies making good or bad decisions, there just um, very quick: uh, Amazon earlier this quarter. Um, increase their employee wages as the market had basically been like asking for it. And now that they've recently right. posted their earnings, they've had more total revenue, but less actual earnings because they're paying their employees more. Good. And the day that they released that, their share price dropped by 5%. And then the next day continued down to minus 7% again. So it was just like a big F you to shareholders that they're not taking profits. And they're paying more to their employees right. now. Like the market reacted well, that's in the such a bad thing. way for that. Yeah, that's the fucked up thing is that uh, all shareholders care about is profits, right? So you really, that's the problem with capitalism is that it's based towards capital and not people, which, I mean, it depends on what you think is important. Personally, I think I don't give a shit how much profits you make. You have to have regulations. That's the point of a government is to make these regulations so that you're not only putting emphasis on capital, but you also have to consider that, you know, people need money too. Like you can't just pay people the bare minimum. I mean, right now wages are so bad that people are refusing to work because they're basically starvation wages. I mean, like you can just barely survive on seven twenty-five an hour if you don't have any kids, you know? So it's just, they're not thriving wages. So now the market is like really trying to, pushing back on it they're like fuck we have to have more money and that's how capitalism works it's the the bare minimum when people start starving yeah. that's when the, you have to raise the minimum wage that's the the break point for it so no, yeah it's that. kind of that's a fucked up situation super fucked up i completely agree but that's something if you're a trader uh an investor a retail trader whatever you want to call yourself if you're involved in the stock market that's one of the things you have to do like when you open up you know that app or Go to your, your brokerage on, on your website, whatever, whenever you want to make that trade, right? You have to check your emotions out the door, right? And you have to think like a trader. Right. I remember one, like the most, I don't know, bizarre things I remember saying, and I say bizarre, but it makes complete sense, you know, as a shareholder or whatever. But, uh, I don't remember which exact country, but there was like a, an Asian country that sued Apple over the last couple of years because they didn't pay like taxes. Uh, from a certain period of time and the share price went up like 2.7% that day, which is a big move for Apple, right? And that's why, like you would think 
that negative news like a country suing your company would bring the share price down. But shareholders are revenue hungry, right? You like to see the company cutting corners to to improve the bottom line wherever they can, including being unethical. Uh, and by that, I just mean breaking the law. So yeah. that's something we, we all have to be like aware of when we're trading. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember actually seeing really uh, the Kelly Thank School. You. Thank you. Like, you can hate Robin Hood, but you could also be bullish on the company because you've been there, done that. You've seen what, what Facebook's done. Yeah, exactly. Right. Actually, like in the Kelly School of Business, uh, where I went to uh, school, they have like one of the uh, lectures was about calculating the cost of breaking the law versus the cost of following it. And so basically you never consider like how ethical it was only that. So if we pollute and it costs $500,000 to, for the fine, but polluting saves $750,000 in avoiding or not like polluting, you know, like if you have to pay that money, right? So you just pollute because that's cheaper. Yeah. And like we as people do that too, right? Like if you're going to be late for work and and you're about to lose your job, you might speed. You've taken that calculated risk. Like you'll take the, right. the speeding ticket as long as you can keep your job because ultimately that's more profitable. Right. I see exactly what and you're like, saying And like, so that's the thing is that you, you just have to realize that businesses are not humanitarian, like at all. And I feel like people forget that a lot. Well, not our but listeners. But as investors. Yeah. Our listeners. Yeah. Are, as are investors, investors. It doesn't matter. So, you you know, you take that into account. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. It's a it's a crazy market out there. You always got to be paying attention to all the little changing things. Yeah, that's why I really like trading in a community because, like as 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 many screens as I have and as good as I am, as many tabs as I have open, I only have two eyes. Right? It's really nice to trade in a community. Uh, How many of, tabs do you have open, Major? Uh, I mean, right now because we're recording, I had to reduce it down I to seven. But I would say on on a given day, I probably have ten to fifteen tabs open. Fair. Okay, yeah, I'm the same way. I have five right now. Don't even don't even get on the Discord tabs. Yeah, I have to, I have to organize by windows and tabs. Like I do different windows yeah. for different things, and I have multiple <laughs> tabs open in each one. Like I have so many fucking tabs open at any given time. If you really don't want to worry about corporate problems or uh, ethicality of operations, you could always invest in uh, cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency is just a commodity. Uh, and BTC actually broke over 40K this week. I don't know if anyone was looking, but the options expiry actually signaled that. It was really interesting to see. I think a lot of people don't uh, remember or notice, uh, but options expiry actually affects the market a lot and tends to uh, show increased volatility in the market. As well as, like, I always like to put my tinfoil cap on. And I think right before options expiry, you can always see some manipulation, and it really depends on what the options are ending at. Like, where are most of the options? And so it'll allow to stay above or below those until after. And, like, basically, as soon as options expired, it was 41K. And we'll see Monday if it goes below 41 because it was just because options expired and everybody had to buy them. Or if it was because it was being manipulated downward to stop those options from exercising in the money. Now, Patrick, uh, 
I know what the word options means, and I know what the word expiry means, but can you give uh, myself and the listeners a little more context to what option expiry actually means in context? Well, in this context, uh, so let's say a week ago, I sold you a call option for 40000 on Bitcoin. So if it's above 40000 you would make money and I would lose money. Now, I'm a big old hedge fund, and I sold... 10,000 options, let's say, for Bitcoin on the expiry that just happened last week, the end of the month, Friday the 30th. And uh, so if it expires above, if Friday the 30th ends with Bitcoin above 40,000, I lose a lot of money. So I have a very conservative in- interest in that not happening. Hence the we could also manipulation. See, right. Okay. We can also see that uh, short interest went way down after expiry. So one thing that uh, big firms can do, banks and hedge funds, they can uh, short sell Bitcoin, which I still think should be illegal because basically they're creating things that don't exist so that they can manipulate the market with them. I think, you know what, if you want to buy something and then sell it, fine. But you can't create a fake one because only the company or the producers should be able to do that. Because when a company creates new stocks, new new units, you have to file. You have to get approval. But when a firm does it, no problem. So in theory, you could have more than 21 million Bitcoin floating around if this happens. Theoretically. In reality, with uh, GameStop, you do have more than there is, even exists. And that's why a failing company goes from $5 to $400. Well, see, now this sounds like a a very bullish reason for them to do this with Bitcoin. Bitcoin to the moon. I mean, can you imagine if they saw a GME-type short squeeze? uh, Yeah, that would be interesting, but that doesn't currently exist with Bitcoin. GameStop was a very unique situation. Definitely. You think we'll ever see it again in our lifetime? Probably. Uh, maybe, you know, I think we more. probably will, just based on historical uh, information. The last one was in, like, I think the 70s with Volkswagen or something. So it wasn't that long ago. I, I think it was, like, um, it wasn't, 2000s. Yeah, it wasn't, like, hundreds of years ago or anything. So I would say probably it'll happen again. It also happened with Tilray twice in, like, the last two decades, so... I mean, it definitely, it'll happen similar, something similar will happen, but it's just something to keep in mind. I personally think that they should outlaw it so it never happens again, but you know. Right, just because you can make money on it doesn't mean it's, it should be legal or ethical. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it's not even about that. I just think it's like bullshit. Like just be, it's only, it only helps the rich people. So, and it also, I mean, it's just like, it logically doesn't make sense, but they just keep doing it anyway. It's really, I think, it, you know, it was like something like under the table to begin with. And then they're like, oh, it's just short selling. You know, they just legitimized a criminal activity. I gotcha. Well, so because along I mean, with they're, hedge, they're hedge literally funds. creating, they're creating stocks that don't exist. They're selling them without having them. And it's pretty fucked up. Wasn't well, that why they used the term borrowing? So they borrow existing, they borrow existing shares for a certain Yeah, but price the origin of it was that. The origin of it was that uh, there was a layover between like when the shares were sold and when they were bought. Right. Like there was a pre- period of time where nobody knew where they were, so they would just that's the kind of sell them, yeah, and buy them within that period of time 
but now they just pay interest on them. Like when it started, it was really an under the table thing because it was like, oh, nobody knows where these shares are. You know, they just shuffle. It's like a fucking shell game. And now they just legitimized it. It should have always been illegal. But the SEC has no teeth. So, you know. Anyway, rank done. BTC is above 40K, which is very good for any crypto. Yeah. It looks like it's at 42. And uh, there is a new article getting pushed around the internet uh, because a Pantera Capital analyst gave Bitcoin a $700,000 price target uh, within 10 years. Wow. So 10 years is a reasonable time. There's a reasonable Dang. forecast. That would be fucking massive. I'm going to buy some options 10 years out. If only they sold them. So other companies that are probably benefiting off of uh, the BTC manipulation slash just demand in general is uh, probably all the chip producers out there. And right. actually very recently. Like Lays and Frito? Sorry, what, what Lays and Frito? Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yes, th- those chip producers. You, you you have to be eating chips while you're watching your crypto. That that's how it goes up. That, of course. Rule number one, obviously. That we're, I mean, it's all over the news, Tim. The chip shortage. Everybody yeah. knows about it. Yeah, exactly. We're out of. I mean, I haven't had any problems with lays in my my score, but I hear across the world there's a massive chip shortage. Are we talking about semiconductor I'm beginning, chips? I'm oh, beginning to think bad. we're not talking about potato <laughs> chips. I don't think yeah. we're talking about potato chips. That's my bad. <laughs> we're not talking about potato chips. Uh, what, what what kind of chips are we talking about there? <laughs> yeah, was that too good? <laughs> yes, that was good. What kind of chips are we talking about then? Uh, so everything to do with uh, graphics cards, just to uh, computer processors. Um, just with the massive demand right now for... Uh, crypto mining and people getting new laptops and even your refrigerator that has a little computer screen on it now. Not to mention EVs. Chips are in higher demand Cars. than ever. And EV vehicles. Right. Exactly. Everything. And like that's yeah. something I think is really important. I mean, important not just EV vehicles either. As a retail investor is to know like the vertical and horizontal like integrations over your company. Because I knew about the chip shortage. Right. But I never thought about it impacting my Neo shares. Right. Yeah. But and right. Like there was a, a cell phone production. Exactly. Everything. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, they're running out of chips. I understand like they're running out of chips for crypto mining. But what does that have to do with like my EB production? And then you're like, oh, no, there's really only like a couple major chip manufacturers out there. Yeah. It's just like if uh, all of a sudden construction doesn't have any wood left to build with. Steel. There's, there's no. Steel and wood. That Both those things are happening. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't know. It raises the prices everywhere for everything. everything. Like, boats are going to be more expensive. Oh, forget boats. I'm talking about my my new Xbox. You know, new Halo Infinite's coming out soon. How am I supposed to? True. I'm not getting a new Xbox for nine hundred dollars? Are you kidding me? But like, that's where they're well, going. Give it a couple for. years. It'll oh, it'll come down. Oh well, yeah, but then I'll be a couple years late to Halo Infinite. But I'm not paying nine hundred dollars. I know someone out there is probably just raging in the comments. I know I can play it on like the Xbox one I have now, but I am just making a point that EV, like uh, the semiconductor chip shortage is a massive problem for people in and outside of the market. So if you've got like a tech stock, maybe take five to ten minutes and and look back into your companies and see if they've been affected or if they could possibly be affected by a semi chip shortage because. I don't think it's going anywhere, right? Chip demand is only going to get higher. 
the only thing that we can really do is either one, still be in low d- supply, or two, raise supplies. With how much money that these uh, companies have made this year, and with all the expected increase in demand, it was really the unexpected increase because of uh, COVID and the problems with supply chain and stuff that caused this. But there's an expected increase now. And with all the money, I expect actually they'll probably overproduce in probably two years or three years. It depends on how long it takes to increase Catch production up. with chip chip factories. But here in a couple of years, I expect that they'll overproduce. That's usually what happens. Hmm. Interesting. You can see this across uh, nature and everything else as well. Right. There's Overcompensate. A, it's a waveform. Yeah. Yeah. They overcompensate. Then prices will go down and then they'll middle out. So not a long-term investment then? Well, I mean, I still think AMD, Intel, all chip producers that have a ground footing in it is a long-term investment because demand will still go up. Their revenues will still go up. Yeah. I was, but they'll just overproduce. Yeah, but I was just going to, I was just thinking about that. Cause that's a really good point. I haven't thought about before. Uh, Cause you know, we have seen that happen several, several times, every time there's a shortage and then there's a surplus. Uh, and before you know it, Ford's making I mean, EV now, but like won't over time, won't more things just require semiconductor chips as things get smarter and smarter yeah. and we have more gadgets Right, everyone yeah, has a cell sure. phone, but you yeah. all need yeah. the new cell phone. So and your Apple Watch and your glasses. That's what I'm saying, or it's not a bad. You're gonna get. It's not a bad long-term investment. It's not a bad short-term investment. It might be bad for one year or five years from now when they overproduce. But uh, as you're just saying, so it might okay. be a bad medium-term investment. Yeah, I mean, just expect that that's going to happen. You can see this across nature. Actually, nature replicates itself in a lot of things. Like, uh, for instance, population controls. If you look at like the population of rabbits and foxes, it'll it's a wave. It's not a straight line because yeah. they overproduce, then they get eaten. Then there's more foxes, so they create a wave. And actually, that was behind the um, 17-year cicada boom. I don't know if anybody heard about that. I love it. But the reason that it's 17 years is because they have, like, I think it was three major natural predators. And by timing it at 17 years, when they all come out of the ground and reproduce, those three predators won't be at their peak every all three of them at one time it'll like never happen or it'll happen once every thousand years so they increase that their uh, population by that that's a natural rhythm that happened and that just happened with natural selection so yeah i mean there's some interesting things that you can put into there but the point is is that they'll overproduce and then they'll be less so they'll underproduce because they have stock and then it'll go back up you know I mean, well, it's I just know. like a, it's a way i think that'd be great i'd love to see cheap uh chips yeah it'll happen right if we have an abundant supply it's going to drive the price back down but then we're going to see innovation it depends on how long it takes to build the manufacturing yeah i mean 3d printing also could be a big innovation that just drives the price of basically everything now. thank you for listening to the roots report by roots research Everything discussed in this podcast should be considered to be disinterested commentary between the hosts, and this is not financial advice, as we are not financial advisors. Please be sure to share and follow us on Twitter and Spotify, and even join our Discord. Links are in the description below. This has been Roots Research, and stay rooted.